This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Would you please pray with me? Everlasting God, in whom we live and move and have our being, you have made us for yourself so that our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Give us purity of heart and strength of purpose that no selfish passion may hinder us from knowing your will. No weakness keep us from doing it. That in your light we may see light clearly and in your service find perfect freedom through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Will you always rise with me? Into marvelous light I'm running out of darkness, out of shame Through the cross you are the truth You are the life, you are the way Into marvelous light I'm running Out of darkness, out of shame Through the cross you are the truth You are the life, you are the way Into marvelous light I'm of darkness, out of shame, through the cross you are the truth, you are the life, you are the Into marvelous light, into marvelous light I'm running, out of darkness, out of shame, through the cross you are the truth, you are the life, you are the Be thou my vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best love, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy Still be my vision, O oh, Ru.
brings us out of sin and darkness. Let us take this time in quietness to worship our God. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. A thousand times I failed. Thousand times I failed, still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your grace. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all things. 
Through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, Amen. As God has greeted you, greet each other, saying the peace of Christ be with you or simply God's peace. So if you've been worshiping with us, my mic seems to be a little hot. We're good? Okay. If you've been worshiping with us, you know that we have opportunities where we have people from our community come and talk to us about what they need prayer for. And tonight we are glad to welcome Brandon Jacob from NV Dub. Let's welcome Brandon. I'm gonna steal your mic. Thank you, Monica. Brandon. Brandon serves as the resident director of NV Dub. And uh, he's going to tell us how we can be in prayer for NVDub this week. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Pastor Marion. I have been really encouraged by just this series of praying for our, our various communities, so thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a really great year so far, and I've been really encouraged, especially lately, just to see the um, continued growth in unity, um, especially just between the, the freshmen and sophomores, um, so I've been encouraged by that. And um, recently, or actually just this weekend, um, my RA staff and I um, got to go on a retreat and um, that was just a really great time to um, continue to foster development with each other. And our prayer for that time was that we would um, continue to um, let go of our own control and give control over to God in the work that we do. Um, and so I'd ask for a continued prayer for, for my staff, um, that they would um, be encouraged and that they would um, continue to be able to have the energy uh, to, to serve and to bless the residents of NVW. Uh, also, we're in the midst of um, hiring new um, student leaders in the building, and um, I've been already really encouraged by um, the, the people who have applied, expressed interest, and I um, would pray for just discernment for both the people who have applied and, um, and, and also for those of us who will be doing the hiring, um, that we would um, find the right people for those positions. But I'm still just really excited for just all the ways that um, people desire to serve in our community. Uh, and then uh, finally, I've um, recently gotten, um, there's been a couple students in um, NVW who, has, who have um, really had the bravery to share with me some of their experiences um, in, of racism uh, on campus recently. And um, that's not an easy thing to share. And so I was um, grateful that uh, those students were, were willing to share that with me, um, but it's just a constant reminder that um, we're, we're not there yet, and we still have work to do to make sure that we are a hospitable um, place that everyone feels welcome and um, that there is no discrimination. So pray for that, and then just also like the continued conversations that I'm having um, with, with those folks. So yeah, those are the ways that you can be praying, and thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Brandon. Let's thank Brandon. Thanks for you. Then if you were in chapel on Friday, you heard that Megan Herringa, who we've been praying for, who's coming back from leukemia, is coming home. So that's huge, huge good news. She has a lot of therapy ahead, a lot of work to be done for her to regain her abilities. Um, but we certainly hope that she regains strength and is able to join us again as a student this fall. And so we rejoice in God's good care for Megan. And that's such amazing news. And then at Loft, we take an offering for the... The Community Care Fund. Yes, this is the way in which we give back to each other. So if one of you falls into need... The rest of you chip in to help through the Community Care Fund. And so give as God has given to us.
Let's pray. God, you invite us to not be afraid because you are with us. And we pray that tonight, that our fears will lessen as our experience of your presence increases. We pray for Norderweer Vanderwerp. We're so grateful for Brandon and his leadership. And we pray for him, that you will guard his heart and mind in Christ Jesus as he leads his staff and as he chooses leaders for next year. Give him wisdom, Lord. Help him to build together a team of men and women who love you and can help this dorm to flourish. We thank you for the relationships that have been built this year between freshmen and sophomores, how he's been able to bear witness to your work in that place. We thank you for the gift of a retreat for him and his staff to clarify their vision for the rest of the year, to see where you are leading them and where you're inviting them to go deeper, to work harder, to stretch, and also to rest and find joy. We thank you for these gifts. And we need them, Lord. We need retreats and we need renewal because we need this energy to do the hard work you've called us to do, particularly anti-racism. Lord, we have a long way to go as a community. It's little things, talking about who we would date or who we wouldn't date because of race, or making assumptions about people because of race or background making comments when we think no one else will hear this and it doesn't really matter, when the truth is what we say always matters. Lord, forgive us for our racism. And we know that it's so wearying to be a student for whom this is something that they experience. We thank you that these students had the courage to talk to Brandon. And we pray that you build in all of us the courage it takes to speak for those who are marginalized or in the minority. Make us the voice for the voiceless, we pray. So we pray this week when we walk by Envy Dub, when we think of Brandon, when we have friends who live there, that we will lift this dorm to you in prayer, that this place will be a place in which you are made magnificent, where your name is lifted over all, where the schemes of the enemy to divide us according to race or gender or background or status are simply ineffective because you are working in the storm. And do this across campus, we pray, that your name is made great and your will is done. We pray this, Lord, we ask it. We rejoice with Megan and her family that she is able to soon come home. And Lord, we, we have stood by and man, we thought we were gonna lose her. She was so vulnerable and she was so sick and the cancer had done such horrible work. And yet you have heard and answered our prayers and you're building up her strength. And so Lord, give her patience because therapy is gonna be annoying at times and she's gonna get sick of it. And so we, as a community, will not stop praying for her, that she is made strong in you, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, so she's ready to come and be part of our community on campus again. We thank you for all the ways in which you answer our prayers. And Lord, as a community, we look forward to the end of this week. We look forward to spring break. And Lord, we pray for everyone who is traveling on service trips or simply on vacation that you will keep us safe, that you will help us to make choices that reflect our relationship with you, that we would never compromise what we believe or who we are in Christ because of what someone else invites us. So Lord, help us to live as disciples and restore us on our break, refresh us, pour into us so we can come back and finish strong. Lord, we thank you for our professors and the staff, and we pray, too, that this next week will be lighter for them and they, too, will rest. We thank you today for your word and for the feast, and we pray that as we hear your word read and proclaimed and as we gather around your table, that you, Holy Spirit, will animate us and provoke us and challenge us and comfort us. And we ask all of this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
So we're doing a series on Jesus and, looking at Jesus and different people. Last week it was Jesus and Satan, and Pastor Dave Beelan was here and talked about the temptations. This week we're looking at Jesus and Nicodemus from John 3. This is found on page 863. And I realized today when I looked at my watch that I would be preaching on John 3.16 on 3.16. I know. We call that predestination. <laughs> we really don't. It's more of a providence thing, but that's, that was funnier. John 3, John 3, we'll be reading the story of Nicodemus to verse 21. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen Yet you all do not receive our testimony. If I have told all of you about earthly things and you don't believe, how can I tell all of you how can you all believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, and he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but that those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, for all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. You want to keep that open. Nicodemus had it all. He had it all. He had wealth he had status, he had power, he had influence. Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin, the 70-person ruling council of the Jews. These were the people who decided how people should interpret the law, whether or not they were outside of the law or in the law, what were the repercussions if they broke the law, a little bit like a big supreme court within the Jewish tradition. And scholars believe that Nicodemus was one of the people who was super in charge. People looked up to him. He had incredible status. Nicodemus was somebody who knew how to do the God thing. He knew how to do the God thing. He grew up doing the God thing. He had it down. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He had made it through all the levels of Jewish education, so much so that by the time he finished, he would have known the entire Old Testament by heart. The whole thing. He knew it all. Nicodemus was not interested in losing any of this. And so Nicodemus was a guy who kind of played it safe. He played it safe. And we know that because he comes to Jesus at night. 
Did you notice that little detail that John gives us? He comes to Jesus at night. Because you see, Nicodemus is a God guy. He knows how to do the God stuff. He wants to play it safe. He wants to keep his reputation as a God guy. And hanging out with this rabbi from up north who was coming down and stirring up trouble and healing things, until he had checked the guy out, he didn't want to be seen with him. Because he didn't want to be seen as like the Sanhedrin is giving some endorsement to Jesus or that he was now a disciple of Jesus. He didn't want any of that. He thought the guy was interesting. Thought he'd go check him out. So he starts with a nice opening line. Hey, we're going to guess that you're from God because no one does the things that you do unless God is with them. And he was probably imagining that Jesus would respond with, thank you. Thank you, that's so nice. Thank you for paying attention. Yes, indeed, I am from God. That's how a conversation goes. And instead, Jesus is like the riddle master. Right? He's like, oh, very truly I tell you, until you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? What, what did Jesus say? And he's so caught off that he responds as if Jesus is being literal. Like, like, like you're going to be born again? Like, you're going to go in your mother's womb and be born again? I don't know. This conversation just got really awkward. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And then he keeps going. You know, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born of water and the Spirit. And now to us, this whole section seems very like Yoda, right? Very like mystery, very like field of force, like you must understand. And if you're not a Jedi, you're not going to get this, right? I mean, you spend some time in this passage and you, you end up and you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. But you see, he knew Nicodemus and he knew that Nicodemus knew the law, knew the prophets, knew the writings. And so everything that Jesus says in this first section is a reference to something that Nicodemus would have understood completely. Water talks about the rites of purification that Nicodemus would have been schooled in. He would have taught other people about them. Born of the Spirit, he would have known all the stories in the Old Testament where the Spirit comes upon someone and they prophesy that the Spirit is unpredictable. He would have known all about how these things work and he would have known that what Jesus was saying to him is basically, Nicodemus, the road that you've traveled you got to start all over again. You got to be born again. You got to go back to those rites of purification. The spirit has to fall on you. It's like he's saying to him, like when you're doing shoots and ladders, have you played shoots and ladders? And you know that one shoot you do not want to get when you're like at the very end of the game and you hit the, you're like, ah, right? <laughs> this is what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. Oh, Nicodemus, ah, I got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, how can these things be? I'm a God guy. I've worked my entire life all through the little cubes, all the way to get up to the top, and now you're telling me ah, I've got to be born again? How can these things be? Like, he really, he really is perplexed. Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak about what we know, we testify to what we've seen, yet you don't get it. Look, if I'm teaching all y'all about the earthly stuff and you don't get it, how are you going to understand if I teach y'all about the heavenly stuff? And he says, look, no one's ascended to heaven except the Son of Man. No one's come down. That's a reference both to Jacob, the vision of the ladders, to Daniel, to the Son of Man. Then he references Moses and the story in Numbers about the serpent. Crazy story. Well, people have to look at a bronze snake in order to be saved. And we're reading all this and we're like, what? But Nicodemus was a God guy. Nicodemus knew the entire Old Testament by heart. So what he knew is that right now, Jesus was making some very radical claims. 
Jesus was saying that he was the son of man. In the Gospels, Jesus always puts an article, I am the son of man. In the Old Testament, it's like son of man, generic. He's claiming that identity for himself. Radical. Crazy. He's talking about Moses lifting up a snake in the desert. Nicodemus would have known that story. He would have known that you look up to something lifted up, and he would have known the idiom lifted up also meant crucifixion. Is Jesus really saying what he thinks he's saying? And if so, how does he get back and be born again? Because Nicodemus was a God guy and he liked to play it safe and he knew the rules and he knew how to achieve and he knew how to have people like him and he knew how to have God like him. And he didn't want to risk any of those things. And neither do we. If you were to gather together a room full of people who would look more like Nicodemus, other than your age, you would be pretty close. You are well-educated. You are wealthy. You don't feel it, but you are. You are God people. You know the stories. You know scripture. You know Bible. You know theology. And for the most part, we really like to play it safe. When we drive down Burton, we are on the inner lanes because the outer lanes are the lanes of death. <laughs> and honestly, in a lot of our lives, we're looking for the inner lanes. We do not want the outer lanes of death. You have avoided a lot of stuff in order to be right here at Calvin College. Some of you may remember that illustration that we do at Convocation. Remember Convocation way back in September when you were bright-eyed and had energy? <laughs> As did I. And we had you all stand up, depending on different representations of the world population. And the very last one was how many people get to study at a four-year college in the United States? It was 3%. 3% of the world's population gets to do what you do. You have more status and more power and more privilege than almost anyone else on the planet. And you do not want to get to that one square that makes you start all over again. And so just like Nicodemus, we hang out in the shadows and we do the God stuff. And we're perfectly content with that. But Jesus isn't. Jesus isn't. you look at the very end of chapter 2, just flip back a page, the very end, verse 23, when Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone. That's the lead-in to the story of Nicodemus. That's why Jesus goes deep right away with Nicodemus, because he knows him, and he knows his story, and he does something that he doesn't do with very many people in the Gospel of John and very many people throughout any of the Gospel narratives. He actually entrusts himself, his whole story, to Nicodemus. It sounded a little Jedi master up until now, but you get to verse 16. The reason John 3.16 is held up at placards at fields across the United States and around the world is because it's one of the clearest articulations of the gospel that you can find in Scripture. Jesus trusts Nicodemus. He is trusting him with a full story of the gospel. He says, look, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him does not perish, 
does not suffer rejection, does not go all the way back down the ladder the way that you think, but has eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus knows who He's talking to. This is Nicodemus. He's a ruler. He's a leader. He's a teacher. And if Jesus can get Nicodemus to understand the core truths of the gospel, that is going to radiate throughout the nation of Israel. But there's one thing. Nicodemus likes to play it safe. And so at the very end, he says to him, hey, light came into the world. People love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, do not come into the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. He knows why Nicodemus has come at night. He knows that he likes hanging out in the shadows, not taking any risks, driving down the inner lanes on Burton. He knows that this is not a man who likes to take risks. This is a man who likes to play it safe. And Jesus says, look, I have entrusted you with the core truth of the gospel. Now, are you going to hang out in the shadows or are you going to step into the light? And I know it seems to you, Nicodemus, that when you hit that chute and you start all over again, you're going to lose everything. But let me tell you the truth of the gospel one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him does not perish. You do not lose what really matters. You are not rejected by the one whose acceptance matters most. Let me tell you, Nicodemus, God sent his son for you. What are you going to do for him? John 19, page 882. John 19, verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who at first had come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with spices and linen cloths according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Nicodemus is now working in daylight. And he has to work in daylight because once the sun sets, the Sabbath begins. And by working in daylight and working with a dead body, he has made himself unclean and he will not be able to participate in the Sabbath festivities with other people. But Nicodemus has stepped from the darkness into the light. He has gone all in for his Jesus he knew that what Jesus said would happen way back when they met, when he said that the Son of Man would be lifted up. He knew that what Jesus said would happen had happened. He didn't know what was going to happen next, but he knew that everything that Jesus said would happen had happened, and he was going to honor him. He was going to go above and beyond a hundred pounds of spices. Scholars are unsure about the amounts and, the da -da 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 and all that kind of stuff, but the best guess is that this is $150,000 to $200,000 worth of spices. Yeah. 
And he does it. He wraps the body with these spices. Can you imagine how that smelled on Easter morning? Nicodemus goes all in. He doesn't know about the resurrection. He doesn't know what's coming next. What he knows is that everything that Jesus has said, what happened, has happened. He is a teacher of Israel. He is going to be bold. He is going to stand out in the sunlight where everyone can see him, where everyone can watch him take this criminal down from the cross, wrap his body with tenderness and care, and lay it in a brand new tomb. Because he believes the gospel. He believes that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. So Nicodemus goes all in. There was a conference last month down in Texas and the title of the conference was If. If. And the rest of the conference title was If you actually believe the gospel was true, what difference would it make in your life? If you actually believe the gospel was true, what difference would it make in your life? That's the question of John 3, 16. That's the question that Nicodemus said. If the gospel is true, I'm all in. I'm out of the darkness and I'm into the light. If the gospel's true, what difference is it going to make in your life? We stay in the shadows because we're afraid of rejection. If I don't do exactly what my parents want me to do, I'm going to have to pay the price, even though I think that God's calling me elsewhere. If I speak up in this moment when someone is making a racial slur or a homophobic comment, I'm going to lose my friend. It may get awkward. If I sacrifice financially in order to give to something else, that means that I may not have what I need in the future, and I just can't trust that that's going to be there. And so we hang out in the shadows and we keep quiet when we should speak and we keep our hands in our pockets when we should serve and we keep our money in our wallets when we should give. And Jesus is saying, look, if the gospel is true, what difference is that going to make in your life? Answer this question. If you knew you could not fail, what would you do for God? If you knew you could not fail, what would you do for God? You are privileged and educated. You have been given so many resources and so many opportunities. You actually, this group of people right here in this building right now, if you mobilized, you would change the world. I am not messing with you. You could change the world. Why do we hang out in the shadows when Jesus is calling us into the light? What risk is the Holy Spirit just poking at you right now with and saying, have you thought about this? I think you're thinking about this. I think you and I need to talk about this. We gather tonight around the table of the one who went all in for us. All in. He died on a cross for us. He gave his life for us. What are you going to do for him? Where are you tempted to stay in the shadows? Where are you tempted to play it safe? Where is he asking you to take a risk? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. This is our promise and this is our truth and this is our call.
what are you going to do for him? In gratitude for all that he has done for you. What would you do for God if you knew you could not fail? The feast tonight, we actually believe, is more than bread and cup, you know. We actually believe that when we take it, it does something to us. That the presence of Christ is here and powerful and nourishes our souls and says to you, I know it's scary to think that you must be born again, that you've got to start over, that you're living your life for the wrong dream, but trust me. Trust me. And the reason we can trust him is because on a night when he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he said, this is for you. It's for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after he blessed God, he poured it. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to remember me. So as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me? Our God, we lift up our hearts to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We praise you, Creator, for making us in your image, for giving each person in this room skills and talents, intelligence and creativity. No one in this room is a mistake. No one in this room has reason to stay in the shadows. For you have created each one of us and you know us by name. And we praise you, Jesus Christ, for you did not stay far off, but you draw so close and you know what it's like to be a human being and you know what it's like to be betrayed, to be disappointed, to be unsure. And yet, you invite us to trust you and we praise you, Holy Spirit, for you are the one who animates us. You are the one who infuses the fruit of the Spirit in us. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And you keep working on us. And you never stop. And you are the one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who invites us to step out of the shadows and into the light. And we pray for the courage to do just that. Feed us at your table. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Let's say together with the other apostles of all time and place the creed of what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into heaven. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. At Loft, we take communion through the method of intinction. There will be a loaf of bread presented to you. You take off a piece and then dip it in the cup. We are not a church, and so we are very glad that Brookside Christian Reformed Church has sent elders here to sponsor our service and to serve us the food tonight. And we encourage you, because this is a feast and your soul needs nourishment, to don't take a, like this, no pinches of bread, like take a chunk of bread. We have enough bread. And feast at the table of the Lord.
I will have uh, gluten-free bread, so if you're coming up this way, come over here and I will get you the gluten-free cup and bread if you need it. All communicant members are welcome. If you're a communicant member in your home church, you are welcome to participate in the feast here. If you are not a communicant member, we invite you to come forward and simply make the cross over your chest and you'll receive a blessing from the person who is providing the elements. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come then, for all is ready. These are the gifts of God for the people of God.
Through the cross you are the truth 